Welcome to the Whole Church Podcast, your favorite church unity podcast, probably. If you want to hear from pastors, professors, and everything in between, right, sure. And, you know, the occasional train talk. Right, right, yeah. Uh, have we got the podcast for you? All right, everybody. Welcome to the Whole Church Podcast. I'm your guest, Joshua, and here's your host, Tiberius Juan Smith. We're hello. Black. That's not my name. It, it, it is. But hello. Just Tiberius Juan. Yeah. Smith is new. Um, because <laughs> we've got a really exciting episode, um, well, I say exciting, a very, um, oh. important episode? Is that the right way? Yes. Yeah. Um, as many of you may know, the United Methodist Church is splitting, so we're going to be talking about why they're splitting and some of our thoughts on that, and just kind of let everybody, we want to give the picture out for all of you guys. Maybe you guys have stuff to add, you can contact us back, which is part of our intro. Uh, we, we do want you guys to contact us. Let us know what you think. Let us hear from you guys. Tell us if you think the podcast is good, bad, or awful. Um, you can email us at thewholechurch at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Um, no one really runs the Twitter. Someone only sort of runs the Instagram. And recently my uh, fiance started helping run the Facebook, so you got a couple more posts on there, so that's cool. Um, with our needs... We, we got a lot of stuff we need. Uh, first and foremost, we would like to ask everybody, if you can, follow us on Patreon and support us there. Uh, for as low as $3 a month, half of what you're playing for Disney+, Plus, you really probably won't notice it. Um, and it'll allow us to do stuff like get a computer that allows us to f- record consistently and not just randomly delete audios like it did the last time we tried to record. Um, and, uh, you know, we also need a new cord for our microphone. We need, well, actually, we got a new cover photo now, so that, that need was met also by my fiance. Thank you, Tiffany. Um, what else, TJ? Oh, new theme song. That, that was the other thing. If anybody knows anyone who can help us with that or wants to help us themselves, feel free to do that. Um, other than that, I think that's really all we need. Oh, uh, and their undivided love, care, and attention. We and only, only pay attention to us. And unconditional. Yes. We're, at, we're now the only podcast you can listen to. Thank you. <laughs> the rest are bad. Yeah, yeah. Only give us attention. Yeah. Um, which you also might hear my cat feeling similarly. Uh, he won't let me close the door to the office while I'm recording today because he just wants constant attention. So you might hear him trying to get attention. And I am sorry. Um, yeah. That being said, we got an icebreaker. I, I hardly know this host Tiberius Juan. So uh got an icebreaker question for him to kinda of get to know each other a little bit better. Uh and that that question today is what herb or spice do you find most essential to your pizza eating enjoyment? Yeah. Do you want me to go first? I mean you're the host. Right, so I think this one I think the answer is pretty obvious and there's a correct answer for most people. Okay, I got uh, Yeah, it's garlic. God, you know, I was going to say the same thing. See, I, I, thought about it, I thought about it pretty hard. Oregano is my favorite herb on a pizza. Like, I love oregano. I don't like pizza anywhere near as much without oregano. But I still do like it without oregano. It's not really pizza if it doesn't have any garlic in it. No. Yeah. So we, we pretty like, much agree on that. What yeah. if garlic wasn't an option? What would be your second? That doesn't matter. It does, because, like, I feel like thyme and basil are both pretty essential ingredients. Oh, I disagree. No? 
Just okay, you're right. I don't disagree. Oh, all right. <laughs> well, that being said, uh, let us, uh, if you're listening and you want to let us know your favorite herb or spice or what you find most essential to a pizza, please let us know. Tiffany might say pepperoni, but that, that's not an herb or spice, but uh, our pizza pretty much is just pepperoni. There's very little less on it. Ironic. Yeah, she does that the double pepperoni from Domino's. And, ultimate. like, she'll look at it. No, no, she doesn't do the ultimate. That costs too much. She'll do the double, and she'll look at it, and she'll be, like, legitimately angry if it's extra and not double. Because we used to work at Domino's, and we know the difference. Yeah, so. That's Thank that. you, Josh. Yeah, pepperoni on your pizza. It's a must. Uh, okay, so we're talking about why the United Methodist Church is splitting today. Um, It's over the issue of homosexuality. And a lot of, you know, how it's going down. First off, the more conservative side, the side that's saying that it's, you know, homosexual relationships are unbiblical, is actually the side that's splitting. The side that's staying the same is the one that's saying it's, they're going to be affirming of homosexuality is how they would word that. Yeah. Um, It's the the traditionalist and the progressive movements. Yeah. The traditionalists are going to be splitting from the progressives. and a lot of that comes down to the Wesleyan quadrilateral, how they view the authority of Scripture, and how they've just kind of thought through their theology up until now. Right. Yeah. And it, it's notable to mention the Methodist Church is the third largest church in America, behind Catholicism and Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, yes. So this is a big deal. Oh, yeah. It's and just... it's... Go ahead. No, go ahead. And it's not the first time the Methodist Church has had a split like this. Uh, they did the same thing in the 1840s over slavery. That one went much, much worse than this one is probably going to go. But Did they come back together after that, I guess? Yes. Well, fascinating. Um, it's actually, that's actually extra interesting because, you know, a lot of people who are advocates of the LGBTQIPAK movement is um, they do like to compare the oppression to the same thing as slavery and that because, there's, you know, they're going through so much prejudice or, you know, whatever may have yeah, whatever, whatever you whatever. That That's what they like to compare it to is the same kind of movement. Um, yeah, I don't think it'll be as violent as the first church split, most likely. No, they were literally shooting each other. Yeah, yeah, it, it probably won't come to that. Um, especially because uh, this this time, from what I've read, it seems a lot more like almost like a mutual breakup. But they're like, yeah, we're yeah. we're not going to agree on this. So yeah, this one is mostly amicable. Yeah. Um. Which I have I have split feelings about because. In, in the Bible, you see a precedent for that. You know, Paul splitting from some of the people that he would go on trips with, like John Mark, because of how ministry was being conducted. And uh, we talked about the first, second, and third tier uh, issues on this podcast a lot. And uh, I do think when it comes to an issue of Scripture, that is such that you can you can say, all right, we can't go to the same church. You know, if if you're saying the Scripture says something that it doesn't say, or that I, I don't believe is there. 
That that gets to be, you know, second tier, maybe even first tier issue where it's like, can I even say that person's a Christian if they're manipulating the Bible? You know, if that's if that's truly how you view it, whether you're on one side or the other, that's just pretty big. Or, you know, if you're saying these people are making the Bible say this because they don't want to show love and mercy and kindness to other individuals, then again, that's, you know, first or second tier issue, depending on your perspective. It might be challenging to even say the other people are still Christians. So that that's a huge issue when it comes to what we're talking about, church unity on this podcast, because what, what do we do with that? Do we, which side do we take? And is the other side immediately then going to hell? How do we view that? You know, that's, that's pretty challenging. Right. TJ, what, what's the answer? What do you think God thinks? Well. You're his right hand guy, uh, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Okay. But uh, I do also want to say it's not even the first time the Methodist church has had rumblings over homosexuality. In the late nine, or the early 1970s, uh, they went through this in a less serious manner, but they, they have done this before. Uh, last time without a split. Yeah, and they've been struggling with this the last few years, too. Like, it's not yeah. like this just came out of nowhere. This, the last few years, they've been debating and having meetings. Um, Reverend Kino talked about his church having meetings after meetings after meetings. Um, that's just one branch of the Methodist Church. The United Methodist does the same thing. They have meeting after meeting after meeting. Also, uh, one second. Would everybody please welcome Israel Eiler to the room? Hello? Everyone's applauding. Is- Get in here. What are you doing? <laughs> Say hi, <laughs> Izzy. applauding. You're recording, right? Yeah, say hi. Yeah, hi. Uh, that's hey, Izzy. Is he? he was the editor for Team Zal articles. I don't I don't know. Team Zal team. He was the editor for the Team Zal team. Uh, he's uh, not can, really here for the podcast, but he's. I think he's going to sit in. You can edit this later. Yeah. Okay, cool. I'll make you extra loud. I'm sure you will. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure you will. He will. Yeah, I, I might. <laughs> Yeah, so Izzy's here. Uh, he's probably just going to sit in the back there and play with that kitty that wants attention or something. Uh, he might be allergic to cats. I don't know. TJ is. Okay. Anyway, TJ. <laughs> Not the first split. Back in the 70s, this has happened before. Continue. Yeah. This, this has happened before in the 70s. Uh, back then, they decided it was unbiblical. And it happened again last year. They decided the same thing. Uh, not at a national level. Uh, that will be happening this May in Minneapolis at their United Methodist Church General Convention, I think it's called. But uh, that is when, if they decide to go through with it, uh, the traditionalist church will split from the Methodist Church. And the Methodist Church is going to let them keep their churches, let them keep their church property, which is one of the major ways that this split is less impactful than most. Uh, Usually when churches split, it is a violent ordeal in which the church is fighting against the people who split and usually winning. But that's everything you need to know about this in the past. Yeah. um, I, I do hope that we'll be talking to some leaders from the United Methodist Church in the future, and we'll talk more about kind of the political side of that and exactly how it's going to go down, what it will look like, if it's really going down, all that stuff. Hopefully we'll be able to cover in future podcasts. Um, today, what I really want to focus on is kind of the Bible side of it, is where are they getting this? You, you know, some some people 
you know, maybe haven't lived church their whole lives are thinking, why do people think the Bible's against homosexuals? And, you know, most people, especially here in the South, who grew up in the church are thinking, how on earth do they think it's okay? Clearly in the Bible, you know. And, um, right. I, I will tell you guys our stance on it at the end of the podcast. But for now, I, I want to present both sides of the, of the main scriptures dealing with the issue and kind of let you guys see where the tension is. Uh, if, mm-hmm. if, if we can attempt such a thing, <laughs> we we might just accidentally let on where we stand beforehand because, yeah, uh, unfortunately, I kind of do have a bias on this just because I've dealt with the subject for so long. Uh, I've seen a lot of the effect on both sides of the argument on people's personal lives and um yeah, so we'll we'll get to that. Uh right. but first things first, uh DJ. Right. So the third book of the Bible. Uh, one of the shorter verses of the Bible, uh, Leviticus eighteen twenty two, it just oh. clearly says You are not to sleep with a man as with a woman, it is detestable. Just throwing that out there. That's what it says. Yes. And then again, in 2013, says so something very similar, right? Right. And Leviticus 2013 says, If a man sleeps with a man, as with a woman, they have both committed a detestable act, and they must be put to death. Their death is their own fault. That part, we're a little more lenient on, uh, just, just, just because we, we aren't the, the killing society anymore. Yeah. But... So clearly, it says in the Bible. It's and, clear uh, if you're the traditionalist why you think the Bible is against homosexuality. Yeah, it didn't, right, we because just it says that. it. Yeah. Um, for those it, on the flip side, the, the more progressive side, I guess that's what they're calling themselves. Um, what they're looking at is yes, these are in Leviticus. There are also tons of other verses in Leviticus that we don't follow literally. Like, you can't eat shellfish. You won't see a Baptist coming up to people at Red Lobster condemning them to hell. Um, At least not in Charlotte. Yeah. There's other verses even within one of these chapters. I think it was in chapter 18 about, you know, not spilling your seed. I'm trying to do the PG version for everybody. But uh, we don't necessarily condemn, you know, um, birth control kind of item. Some some churches do, but a, a lot don't anymore. So. There's a lot of wiggle room in Leviticus to say, you know, that. Because, you know, it also says eating certain meats will condemn you. You know, um, so yes, those verses are worded harshly. But so are some of these other verses that we don't dismiss. And that that's the big thing for me is um, hermeneutics in Baptist church and most of Protestant churches, we have the understanding you do not dismiss Leviticus. There is still a reason those laws existed. But Christ fulfilled the law, so we're no longer held to it. So, like, stuff like the shellfish. There was a reason that was there, whether it be for their health at that time, whether it be to set them apart from some of the other cultures around them, whatever it was. There was still a reason for those laws, and that reason is still applicable and important. Um, Matt Vines writes the book God and the Gay Christian, which is one of the big items when it comes to this conversation. That was a huge book as far as affirming homosexuality with the Bible and showing that kind of stuff. 
Um, this one problem I did have with his book, because it did seem like he just kind of went, ah, it's Leviticus, you know? And I'm like, okay, you can't do that. There's still a reason it was there. You know, um, at the time, the reason spilling seed was so wrong was because, you know, God was trying to populate his people. And some will argue that, that that's why these verses are there. God was trying to populate his people. Homosexual relations kind of get in the way of populating your people. Right. Yeah. So there are two sides of it still. One just seems that, a lot, a little more, you know, straight to the point, but the other one is, I guess, looking at a bigger picture and trying to make sense of what they know. Right. And that leads into the natural side of the argument against homosexuality. Because there are places in the Bible where it says things that insinuate, like, hey, judge for yourself. Isn't that unnatural in itself? Uh, yeah, can I, it says, oh, you go ahead. I was going to say, I'll, I can read the Romans one. I mean, I've, I've got it right here. Okay. I just wanted to turn to... Well, I've got it. Okay, go ahead. You get other terms. Romans 1, 26 and 27 says, uh, For this reason, God delivered them over to disgraceful passions. Their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. The men in the same way also left natural relations with women and were inflamed in their lust for one another. Men committed shameless acts with men and received in their own persons the appropriate penalty of their error. Now, Joshua, would you like to tell us what that means? Yeah, um... Leading up to that in Romans, it, it does talk a lot about um, the natural. It, it uses phrases like what is natural for what is, they gave up what is natural for what is unnatural, and that, that kind of stuff. So he's definitely talking about, hey, uh, basically, you know, if you look at a puzzle, you can tell which pieces fit together. It's <laughs> kind of what Paul's thinking. Um, now, one thing that Matt Vines points out in this that I do think it's important to consider, because we, we've sort of talked about this before, is... The authors of the letters in the New Testament were restrained by their understanding. You know, and a lot of people will think that's borderline blasphemy. We, we've had Pete Enns on before. He got kicked out of a school for thinking that way, you know. But uh, it, we do see some certain verses, like we talked about before, where women shouldn't speak in church or they shouldn't be able to teach men. Um, we, we don't necessarily follow that. The reason Paul said that was because his understanding at the time, that's how their culture worked. If they did that, they were stepping out of line with, you know, uh, or organization, functionality, that kind of stuff. Um, there's also a part in 1 Corinthians 11, 13 through 16, where Paul talks about how women should cover their hair. And um, I'll drop a link in the description for this podcast. But there's a, the Naked Bible podcast talks about this as well. And he will show you um, the reason Paul says that is Greek understanding at that time had women's hair being part of their their privates, if you, if you will. So they had to cover that. You know, that'd be the same thing as going around without pants on. That's just not appropriate. But that was their understanding at that time. It sounds crazy to us now, but that was their understanding. So what people will argue is here, what Paul is saying is we don't give up natural for what's unnatural. We stick to God's way, God's order. And they'll say, okay, so we can stick to that truth without literally having to follow what this says. And that's the progressive side is that, um, obviously, the traditional side's more literal. And it's like, you know, it, it pretty much says that uh, there is a penalty for this error. <laughs> right there, yeah. The traditional side's a lot more straightforward. It's easier to explain, I feel like. But even those who do take the traditional side, most of them 
still will look at 1 Corinthians 11, 13 to 16 and be like, well, women don't need to cover their hair. And part of the big argument here is, are we treating all scripture the same? And that's a, that's a big question. Because well, we have to in, have standard. In, uh, in the versions of the Bible that are considered more accurate, the translations of the Bible, uh, such as the NASB, Thank uh, you. First Corinthians uh, 13 through 16 actually reads, well, verse 11, you know, you know what I mean. Uh, judge for yourselves, is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? And then in verse 15, oh, 16, it says, no, it was right, it was 15. It says her hair is given to her for a covering. Is implying that the hair itself is covering her head. Mm. Yeah, but that, that's, uh, I'll drop the link to that the other podcast, but if he goes into the original language and he really looks at it, it is because they considered the hair private. And it, it's hard for, you know, you got to think even our English version of the Bible, it's people trying to interpret another language. And part of that interpreting is also deciding theologically where you stand. You know, I'm going to interpret this way because my theology says this. But that's a part of it. Um, Sorry, one, one second. TJ? Uh, TJ? Is he? Is something burning? No, I'm cooking. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> but, uh... Yeah. Yeah. But the women speaking thing, um, there are other things in the New Testament letters that, you know, that we don't necessarily follow. You got to think yeah. even parts of the Bible that say the earth is flat, you know, talks about the earth being flat. We don't necessarily believe that now. Um, so, yeah, it, it does come down to how exactly we treat the scriptures. I will say, 1 Corinthians 11, 13 through 16, in the places where it talks about women speaking, one, one thing that those lack, and this is what most traditionals will point out, none of them say, and if you don't cover your head, you're going to be punished. You know, it doesn't say that. But it does say that when it talks about the homosexual acts in Romans chapter 1. So they will get their due penalty. So that's a pretty big difference. Paul's attaching a different kind of weight to that particular, what he considered a sin. Is TJ still there? Yes. Okay. Lots of silence. Um, so that being said, uh, another another area that people like to talk about is in Genesis 18 and in chapter chapters 18 and 19. It's the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, for those unfamiliar with the story, just run through it really quick. Um, a guy named Lot lived in a sinful town. I'm just going to cover, cover the basic points that's important to this. There's a lot more to it. But uh, some angels came to visit him to tell him to get out of town. They were trying to save him. While they were there, a bunch of men tried to have their way with the angels. Um, and then Lot offered them his daughters instead of trying to do the angels. He was trying to do whatever he could to keep these people from doing such an awful act with angels. And um, as such, a lot of people have taken that scripture to be about God's punishment that he does bring on Sodom later. Where he burns the entire city to the ground. A lot of people take that and say, see, this is... They were trying to sleep with the angels who were men, so Lot offered them the daughters. That is clearly God punishing them from homosexual acts. That is the traditional view on that. 
However, uh, there is a standard, again, in how we interpret Scripture. And part of that standard says, if one part of the Bible interprets another part of the Bible, the biblical interpretation is what is in the Bible. And Ezekiel, chapter 16, 49 through 50, says that the sin of Sodom was a sin against hospitality, not homosexuality. It was a sin of them taking strangers to their town and trying to do something to them instead of caring for people outside of their town. Now, that upsets people. And it's like, oh, well, no, because I've always been taught Sodom means this. The Bible says that it means something else. Now, traditionalists will like to say, okay, but it could be both. It could be against homosexuality and hospitality, which it could be. Um, often they'll go to Jude verse 7 to kind of support the traditional side of, see, no, this is also, see, it was both. Sinosodom was also homosexuality. Um, do you have Jude verse 7 on you by chance? Uh, I don't, but I can look it up really quick. Okay, cool. Um, before this, Jude's kind of talking about different sins, how men started here, then they got a little more sinful and they came here, then they got a little more sinful and they came here. Um, and then, right. Yeah. Do you got it? Jude verse 7 says, uh, likewise, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns committed sexual immorality and perversions and serve as an example by undergoing the punishment of eternal fire. Yeah. And that's from the Christian Standard Bible. Yeah. So they'll take that and they'll say, see, so homosexuality is a worse sin than these other sins. That's what it was talking about, right? Now, I'd like to point out that is assuming that it's saying the sexual sin was sexual because it was homosexual. It doesn't say that. In fact, TJ, could you read the next verse? In the same way these people, relying on their dreams, defile their flesh, reject authority, and slander glorious ones. Okay. A lot of them will say, instead of glorious ones, they'll say um, strange flesh, or something along those lines. And the idea is that it was stranger. It was something from outside. It was something heavenly that they defiled. Not homosexual in nature. Not necessarily homosexual in nature. So the Jude 7 is a big point of argument one way or the other, because is it saying homosexual sins of then angel sins, or is it kind of tying that together, verse 7 and 8? Um, so that's kind of the topic there. There's also the clobber verses, which is what a, you know, the affirming community calls the clobber verses. In 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10, and then in 1 Timothy 1, 10, um, Paul just gives a list of, hey, here's some sinful stuff. And uh, in that list, both of those lists will include homosexual relations. Or uh, do you have either of those verses? Uh, I have 1 Timothy 1.10 right here. Okay, go ahead. It says, For the sexually immoral and homosexuals, for slave traders, liars, perjurers, and for whatever else is contrary to the sound teaching. Yeah, so just a list of sins. Um, with these verses, the way the progressive side, the people like Matt Vine would like to argue, is that... Um, that that verb in the Greek that they translated as homosexual or what what was it in that version? Which one? The one you just read. Homosexual. Okay, so it does say that. Um, it's actually they took two different words and just kind of threw them together, and we're not entirely sure what one of those words means. However, in the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible, in Leviticus, those verses we read earlier. Those two words were there to talk about men sleeping with other men, and then it looks like those two words were just combined to make the word that we're interpreting as homosexual relations. 
However, progressive side will say, well, we don't really know what that word means, so maybe it's not that. Whereas the traditional side saying, okay, but it, it looks like it is that. <laughs> but we don't actually know what that word is. It's not in any other Greek document that we've found yet. As such, we're not sure what it is. That's just kind of our best guess. And that's what you use for both of those clobber verses. Um, now, one thing I will say, we're getting to wrap up kind of most of this. Um, when I when I went through this, it was because I knew people and it became a personal issue for me that I needed to know what the Bible had to say about it and how to address it in kindness in the way that God would want me to address the issue, right? And part of that came from... Um, so I read Matthew Vine's book. I won't say what the other book is because I don't want to just condemn these people who I don't know. But I read a second book that was for the traditionalist side. And they talked about sheep and goats. And they were talking, basically they called people who were affirming homosexual relationships or people who were in homosexual relationships goats and other Christians were sheep. And it really hurt because that means, you know, people I care about, people I know, we live in Charlotte. There's a lot of homosexual people who are in homosexual relationships in Charlotte. It's a pretty big demographic here. And they're goats, and they're just kind of talked down to them. They're very degrading, very hateful in their speech towards it. And um, part of Matt Vine's book in the beginning was talking about, you look at the fruit of the Spirit, right? And a lot of these people who are anti-gay are not, and are not exemplifying the fruit of the Spirit, but instead are exemplifying hate, are exemplifying just rude, you know, and... um that that was a big issue for me. And, and, you know, I don't think you could say, see, some people with homosexual relations have love, joy, peace, and hope. They're Christians, and these other people aren't. I don't think you can say that. But what you can say without a doubt is that Jesus would not treat someone, whether in sin or not, he would not treat them hatefully, and he would not treat them without respect. You know, you can go through the life of Jesus, and even the worst of sinners, he said, you know, Okay, whoever doesn't have sin, throw the first stone, and then told that person to sin no more, right? He said, stop sinning, and then he showed her mercy. And in every situation that Jesus encountered a sinner, he offered them mercy and forgiveness and love. He never said, you are awful, you're going to go to hell, this is just bad. The most condemning, in fact, the only places Jesus talks about hell, you can go through all the Gospels and see this, he only talks about hell when he's talking to the rich the, or the religious. You know, he tells the rich men about it and the religious men about it because they're so prideful and think they know where they're going and where the riches are. And those are the people that Jesus warns about hell. The people who are in sinful situations or in bad situations, he just offers mercy in a better way. And I think the biggest thing we can take, regardless of what side you're on, we should never call people goats, first off. Um... That where that sheep and goats comes from is actually Jesus was talking about two different sets of people. There are the people who treat other with kindness, and there's those who aren't. There's the ones who understand his way and the ways of mercy, and then there's the, those who are bound by the law. And he was calling the people who are judgmental and bound by the law, those hypocrites, he was calling them goats, and the other people sheep. So, just ironic little tidbit there. But I, I don't think we should call people goats. 
And I think we should be loving and showing mercy to everyone. And I think that's key. No matter who you're ministering to, no matter what side of this argument you're on, that's just the truth of the Bible. That being said, me and TJ are both members of the Church of God of Prophecy, and we do have our own stance on this, so we think it's probably important to clear up where, where we're at. Right. Uh, so, the Church of God of Prophecy uh, believes that marriage is a union between a man and a woman. We also believe uh, biblically unlawful unions such as incestuous or polygamous marriages uh, are just as bad as same-sex. But we as a denomination do not condone the marriage of a man and a man or a woman and a woman. Yeah. And part of that for me does come down to, you know, if we're going back to the verses we were just talking about, the verses in Leviticus. I think we're too quick to dismiss them. I think there's a reason it was there. Um, The verse in Romans, I think it's important that Paul said there's a punishment attached to this. This, I think it was clearly a sin that Paul saw a little bit different than the sin of covering your hair or, you know, women teaching. Um, And then, again, in these clobber verses, to me, saying... "Mm." You're just guessing. You're not sure what those words are, even though we're pretty certain what those words are. You know, it comes down to, do we want to do everything to try and please God, or do we want to say, well, we're not sure what you said, so we're going to do what we want. I'd prefer to do everything that we can to try and please God. But again, that's in showing mercy and love to everyone. We still need to do that. Right. So, for those of us who aren't in the Methodist denomination, Maybe the split doesn't affect us that much, but this issue will continue to be an issue. There will be other churches who have this argument. Um, America is on a big stage having this argument right now, as well as other countries. And uh, so my question to you, TJ, is uh, what, what do we do with this? We, as, what do we do with this as the Methodist church splitting? As, as the church. Do we need to pick a side for the, of the Methodist church, call them church, and the other ones out? We, we no longer unified with them? What, what do we do? Uh, it is not our place to alienate these believers. I like yeah, that. I think I'll that say happens. that. Yeah. Because the things they're violating uh, violate the Western Quadrilateral specifically uh, before others, which we do not prescribe to, that is not relevant to us. But, yeah, to, to that point, because the Methodist Church has decided before several times to, to on the traditionalist side, um, you know, the Western Quadrilateral, we've talked about it before, it's um, what tradition, scripture, Logic and experience are the four pillars, sort of, you know, they have, uh, all of those are equal in authority for the Methodist Church. And um, traditions, their tradition has been on the traditionalist side, obviously. Um, That's what they decided before. So in keeping with tradition, they would continue to not be affirming of homosexuality. But... That that contributes to why they're splitting. Maybe doesn't contribute to those of us who aren't Methodist. But uh, I do think it's a difficult one. You know, I think um, if you're like us and you're on the traditional side of this, 
it's hard to look at people who maybe call themselves Christians and are doing what you think the Bible clearly says is sin. Because if you're clearly sinning and clearly going against the Bible, you know, Pastor Gary said it before on the podcast, can you really call that person brother or sister? And, you know, that's, that's a tough one. Um, for me, it's especially tough. Um, going through here, you know, I do take the traditionalist side. But unlike so many others, I don't look at this and go, it's a clear argument. The Bible clearly says this. This is what it is. You know, I, I don't think it's clear. I do have a stance. I have reasons why I have that stance. But I won't sit here and tell you I think it's clear. Case closed. There's no wiggle room for the argument at all. I can see both sides. I understand both sides. You know? Right. So, I don't know. It, it, it's tough for me. So, my question for what to, my answer to what to do is, uh, I don't really know, guys. It's a solid I don't know. Which is, you know, always safe. Yeah. So uh, thanks for listening to 42 minutes of me letting you know that I don't know. That, that, that was it. <laughs> so what's a, as some of these splits happen, what are going to be some of the ramifications we see in the church as a whole, as well as in individual people's lives, TJ? So uh, what we are going to see as non-Methodists is going to be weird. Uh, your local Methodist church, as of May, could be changing their names to the traditional Methodist church of yada yada, or the progressive Methodist church of yada yada. If uh, you live in yada yada. Yeah, if you live in yada yada. Uh, as people not involved with the Methodist church, this won't affect our lives that much. Yeah. Uh, However, people in more southern areas where they're traditionally traditional. <laughs> uh, this might create some turmoil in the community and you might see the backlash, but that is situational. Yeah. Within the Methodist church, there will be lots and lots of people leaving churches to go to one or the other. Yeah. I think I like that they're kind of making it a mutual breakup. I think how they're going about this is going to set the tone, kind of set the pace for when other churches do have this argument. I, I firmly believe the Baptist church is going to have this argument. I think the Presbyterian church pro- sort of already has. <coughs> they they were already been a little bit more progressive, so maybe less so with them. Um, Pentecostal churches are probably also going to have the same argument. This is going to keep splitting churches, this issue, over these verses. Um, I think the fact that they've kind of made it a mutual thing and they're doing it with respect for one another sets a good tone for this split. Um, even though we're about church unity, I think it's a good split. You know, I think when you can't agree on what the Bible says and you have a firm stance one way or the other, I think it's smart to split. Now, I don't know if you can still call each other brother and sister. I don't know what it does for unity. But I will say, I think it's marked to split if you can't agree on what the scripture says. So I think that a lot of the ramifications are going to come later down the road when other churches are having the same argument. And um, I think it's important now, while they're having the split, to follow what they're saying about all these verses and what their arguments are. That way, when time does come and it happens more, we all kind of can understand and know which side we stand on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have anything to add, DJ? 
No. Hmm. What are your thoughts? On just, like, do you think it's going to keep happening? Do you think it, the Methodist Church is going to split? And well, yeah. That's it? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's going to happen to most denominations. Fun. I think it'll take a lot longer for some, but it will happen. Yeah. Yeah. And it's going to... It's also going to have uh, a lot of impact on America politics, American culture. Just in general, because, you know, a lot of America is kind of ran by the church or vice versa. And it's going to kind of spark that wedge issue again up in politics right before the next election season. So that could be interesting. But unfortunately, we're not an American politics podcast, so I'll stop right there. Yeah. Yeah. We could be, though. All right, we're going to start a new podcast, guys. Please follow our Patreon, <laughs> patreon.com forward slash the whole American podcast. Right. Yeah. The the whole olive branch is what, yeah. Yeah, yeah, smart. Oh, man. So, with that, thanks for listening. Now, we'll be going to our God Moment of the Week. Bum, 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 bum. So, this is your first time listening. Our God Moment of the Week is when we talk about something in our past week wherein we saw God. It can be little things, big things, praying, you know, it could be anything. So, Josh, would you like to go first? Sure. I'll do a nice couple podcast. A couple podcast. No. couple God moment. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, TJ. We were... At church, Sunday night, Chris Galloway recently, he's been on the podcast before, he recently got hired on at my local church with Pastor Gary. So some of these people y'all might be familiar with are kind of uh, coming together, and that's, that's kind of cool for me because I've known them all for a very long time. Um, anyway, so Chris Galloway started at our church. He preached for his first time Sunday night, and it, it was phenomenal. Um, I'm hoping we can talk about that on the podcast soon, and cause it was just it was a good topic. But uh, he's talking about faith and having faith that God can and that God will, right? And he mentioned some of his son's illness and different stuff. So at the end, they kind of had like a altar call kind of deal. People came up and prayed. And um, yeah, one of Tiffany's family members has been really sick, really ill recently. So she wanted to go up and pray for pray for them. So she, she was kind of looked at me and then I, I went ahead and started because I think she wanted me to go first. So I, you know, I walked up there and we both prayed together at the altar for this family member. And then, um, it was so weird when we were done, I was crying and I was like, oh man, I don't want her to see me crying because I, you know, I care a lot for this family member, kind of my family now too. And yeah, I looked over and she was too. And we were just kind of both there crying at the altar and it was just, it was really sweet. You know, there's like those sweet, sad moments. Somber. Yeah, a very sombering, spiritual moment there. And I think it brought us closer together, brought us closer to God, and hopefully, you know, allowed God to move in that situation, and we'll see what happens. Having faith. Yeah. Yeah. So, TJ, your God moment? Mm-hmm. Uh, my God moment is the fact that sombering isn't a word. Thank you. Is it not? No, it's not. 
Then why did you but, tell me to use it? <laughs> because that is called somber. Oh, fascinating. Yeah. So, my actual god moment is uh, recently got some news that uh, my grandfather, who was undergoing treatments for his disease, uh, it will cause all, virtually no pain, there will be virtually no drawback, and it will almost definitely succeed. So That's awesome. Praise God. Uh, yeah, that's great, isn't it? Yeah. Man, you got such a good, happy God moment. No, we have we both had like real God moments this time. Like not like hey all real. Clemson lost the national championship. Yay God moment. Also, yay God oh. moment. Clemson lost the national championship, everybody. <laughs> that made me yeah. very happy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I gotta appreciate the little things. And the national championships. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so that's, that's all it. for God Moment, guys. Thanks for listening to the God Moment. Doo 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 doo. Outro. <laughs> Is that your outro? I can't tell if it's highlighted for me or not, Josh. Yes, TJ will now do the outro, everyone. <laughs> Josh will now do the outro. I don't know the outro. I was expecting you to do it. You have the paper that. that says it. <laughs> Alright guys, um, thanks for listening this long to me ramble and me and TJ struggle to figure out who's supposed to be talking and et cetera, et cetera. Please let us know at whole church at gmail, the whole church at gmail.com what your favorite urban spice on pizza is. Please, I need to know. Um, also just let us know how you think we're doing, what you think we could do to improve the podcast. You could also reach out to us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Um, Follow us at all of those places. That, that would help a lot. Also, follow us wherever you listen to podcasts, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, whatever. If you're on Apple Podcasts or anywhere like Stitcher, anywhere that lets you leave a comment, please leave a comment. We want to read some of those. Um, we, we like the comments. Also, the more you rate us, if you rate us well, that lets other people see the podcast. The more people see it, the more people know about it. And 50% of getting to unity, this is just a made-up statistic. Most statistics are also made up. But uh, 50% of getting to Unity, I think, is just letting people know that it's something that people want and it's something that we care about. You know, I think the more we have different leaders of different churches getting on here saying, yeah, we want Unity, the more likely we are to see it happen. And part of that is you guys writing and commenting on the podcast and getting the word out, sharing the podcast on your social media. That helps pretty much more than anything. That and also supporting us on Patreon. Uh, it's just patreon.com forward slash the whole church podcast. You support us for as low as $3 a month, as much as you want. Um, in order for us to get that new computer, I think we said we needed eight people. Eight more people to sign up for at least $8 a month. So we can make that happen, or, you know, 10, 12 people for like $3, you know, whatever the number is. If we can get just a little bit more, we're going to be able to have a new computer, have better recordings, more consistent recordings. For those of you who follow us and have noticed we haven't had a lot, it's because we've recorded at least one podcast and the audio just disappeared because my computer is garbage. Um, hopefully that doesn't happen to this podcast and you hear me say that. Um, yeah, so do that. Follow us and uh, let us know if you can think of any ways that you guys can help us or anything that you would like us to do that we aren't doing. Uh, that being said, what are some future guests, TJ? 
Uh, future guests, uh, we're going to have everyone. Yes, everyone on the planet. Yeah. Chandler Goodridge, mm-hmm. Hope Francis, um, uh, King Arthur. Israel Eiler might be. <laughs> oh, yeah, we have, um, I was talking to another another friend of mine in the Church of the Latter-day Saints who might be on, who was once an atheist. Um, I think uh, trying to reach out to Wayne Parker. Again, my brother will be back on the podcast soon, Reverend Kino. Um, we, we have a few a few good ones really lined up, so please be tuning in. I get married in like a week, so hang in there if we're kind of a little spotty on some episodes. I'm busy. I'm stressed. My computer doesn't work. Pray for me. <laughs> Um, oh, and at the end of uh, season one, TJ, who are we gonna have? Uh, we'll have at the end of season one, uh, we're gonna have Francis Chan. Man, I really thought that I said at the end of season one, who are we gonna call? And you were gonna say Ghostbusters. Yeah, you didn't. Uh, yeah, I didn't. Hey, TJ, who are we gonna? <laughs> no, all right. Yeah, at the end of season one, we'll have Francis Chan. He's just not aware of it yet. Feel free to let him know if you know him. Please. And uh, the rest of this is gonna be on Patreon, so tune in there. Thanks for listening. Sure. Yeah. No. Okay, I was kidding. I'm ready. The Methodist Church is splitting yet again. This one is amicable. It's about homosexuality. We do not condone homosexuality. That is all. I don't believe you. The shorter. Absolutely. I'm the host. So, uh, when you're ready, I'll tell you when to start. Alright, three, two, one, go. That is like nine and a half seconds. Or ten. Yep. Yep. Oh, of course, any time. Unless I'm busy. I was a great host. You were a great guest, Joshua. Thank you for coming. I'd love to have you back on. Thank you. Alright, and you have a good one. Please, why is Izzy there? Nice.